Good morning and welcome. Lovely to see so many people here. After the start, I thought, will I be preaching to six or seven? But um, we'll share this morning. My name is Nigel Stapleton, and I'm a member of Mission Hampton Baptist Church. And if you're listening on a podcast or YouTube, thank you for joining us. And our prayer today is that we will know God's Spirit speaking to us all. We come this morning to the third in our series of the fruit of the Spirit, as recorded in Galatians chapter 5. But I would like to go back and remind ourselves of some of the scripture Paul may have read and learnt, and in particular from the Psalms. We sometimes forget that Paul was a scholar in his own right as he was brought up. And so we look at this verse. Following the opening statement of Psalm 24, where the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the question remains, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Tradition says that this psalm was sung on the first day of each week in the temple services. And although the first part of the psalm tells us that the Lord is over, is over all, such a celebration of worship. Danny reminded us over the last two weeks that we are free in Christ and that Jesus is the new way, not in the world of laws and regulations. I wonder whether you remember from the Bible, Joshua. And Joshua at Shechem, he gave a farewell speech uh, and he challenged the people. And in Joshua 24, we we read these words. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away your gods your forefathers worshipped. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve. And then Joshua adds in, but, is a very important but, but as for me and my house, household, we will serve the Lord. That was his promise. And later the people who were saying, yeah, we want to join in that as well. They too would, Joshua reminded them that they too would need to serve the Lord. And Joshua told them to throw away their foreign gods and yield their hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel, to make that commitment. Hang on a minute. This is Joshua. But of course, we're in the 2024, 23, 24. We wouldn't even think of having anything in our houses which might represent an idol, would we? Would we? The bits of stone, 
that are carved that you bring back from your holidays. The bits of carved wood which come from a fascinating country but represent an idol in another country. Oh, sorry, forgot. The iPhone. The iPhone. We can't live without it, can we? But let's just listen to what, similarly, James writes in a plea to submit ourselves to God. James writes in chapter 4, and he says these words. Because the scripture says that God is passionate that the spirit he placed within us should be faithful to him, he says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. What we cannot do is to try and have a foot in both camps. I can't walk anywhere. I can't do anything. We can't have both camps represented within this heart. The Bible reminds us that prophets, priests and kings pointed the way to a saviour, a messiah, the prince of peace, the king of kings being born in Bethlehem and that Jesus was crucified for you and me, laid in a borrowed tomb, raised on the third day that we might know the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting leaving the Holy Spirit to minister through his disciples and us. Paul reminds us from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, the same as the Psalms and Joshua and James did. So he said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is opposite to what the Spirit wants. These two forces, this is from, the, from the, the New Living Testament, and I love this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out the good, your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. You see... The issue we are considering is not an earthly dimension. And it's nothing we do to work out our our solutions for ourselves. Because the fruit of the Spirit is given into our hearts. Where the believer, for the believer, the Holy Spirit dwells. My friends, God has given his Spirit generously. Generously. Don't ever think I can have more because he's given more than you and I can cope with. He's given into your hearts his Holy Spirit. The fruit, however, given by the Holy Spirit is multifaceted. Some people look at the fruit of the Spirit and think of it as an orange with different segments 
I look at it as a, as a fruit which is multifaceted, given by him, God, for him, working through us. Let me just repeat that. The fruit is given by the Holy Spirit, given by God, for him, through us, and how deep is that relationship? Jesus, in John chapter 15, says, I am the vine. Not quite caught up with me. And you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And he goes on to emphasize that remaining in him will bear much fruit. I have an illustration. This is... from a tree trunk and this is the branch and if you want to know how much it's integrated just look on this side the grains of the wood are all around the branch and this goes right into the center of the core of the tree so when this branch was when this tree was living you couldn't just break this off This is a totally integrated, unambiguously. And when Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches, when he says that, he means that we are totally integrated. He knew what he was talking about when he said about the vine. This piece of wood is old. It was found in the wilderness of Canada. It was by a lake and it had been broken and tossed tossed around on the lake and was on the lake shore. But the interesting thing is, it still shows the relationship between a branch and the tree. If you want to have a look, please be careful with it. Um, The bugs come out on the windowsill, but we still wipe them up. You see, it's our standing in Christ that determines our walk in Jesus Christ. And living by grace depends on the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as our Christian character comes from within by the power of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of his presence within us. So, my friends, where do we stand? We've come to worship. invite you to look at your hands. And ask yourself the question, are you who you think you are? Are our hearts filled by the Spirit of God? Joshua said, as for me, I will serve the Lord. James says to wash and purify your hearts.
We live in a sinful world. If I'd have brought a newspaper and opened it, by the time I'd got to the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth pages, my fingers and hands would have been covered in ink. But you see, our hands speak as well of what we touch, which is not holy. Our iPhones are apparently clean, but we use those in a different way. And from our iPhones, we we explore into another world, which is not necessarily of God. And so we come this morning now to read again from Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 onwards. The acts of the flesh are obvious. This is Paul speaking to the Galatian church. They're obvious to them. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And I am sure that if Paul was here today, he could add in a lot more. The fraud, the disgusting way in which sometimes politicians around the world behave, all these other things crowd in. And Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking, envying one another. Let's then turn to the next in this series that we've looked at of love and joy and now consider peace and patience, or as some translations put it, forbearance. There are nine aspects of this fruit mentioned, and we see that they interact and sometimes the Holy Spirit pours out the aspects that he knows we need for everyday life. So then let's refer to peace. So what is peace? What is peace? It's the absence, the world says it's the absence of war or other hostilities. It's an agreement to end hostilities. We have a peace deal. We have freedom from quarrels and disagreements, harmonious relationships. Peace is where there is public security, there's law and there's order. And peace is where it's calm and there is serenity. When you find it, let me know. That piece of wood came from the wilderness in Canada. There was nobody else there. There was just the lake. There were just the mountains beyond. And all that Rowena and I could think of was how great thou art. How great. Our God is. But in our homes today, 
we may consider that we know exactly what peace is. When younger children have gone to bed and are asleep, we often use the phrase, and if you don't remember this, I'm sure you said it, oh, peace and quiet at last. Peace and quiet at last. Oh, I spoke too soon. You see, all these definitions have limited parameters because they are of the world where men and women, governments, unions, employers, and even church denominations all try and broker a peace deal. This is not what Paul is referring to here. There is spiritual peace revealed in Scripture. And in John chapter 14, Jesus is saying, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Note. Note. And by the way, don't be troubled and afraid. Oh, do we get troubled and afraid by, God's move, by God moving? Peace is a gift provided through the Holy Spirit. The traditional Jewish greeting of shalom, which means harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, wealth, and tranquility, was a, a wish for peace. The peace that Christ spoke about is a combination of the hope and trust and quiet in the mind and soul brought about by reconciliation with God. It takes two to get to that point. There's you and I and there's God. And the reconciliation is that they come together. One of the earliest uh, references that we have is from uh, uh, Numbers. When the Lord was instructing Moses concerning Aaron and his sons when they were to give a blessing. And in Numbers 6 he says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. A blessing in those days was supposed to do five things. It was bless and keep. That was give favor and protect. To smile on you. To be pleased for you. Be gracious. To be merciful and compassionate. To show you his favor. In other words, he's turning his face toward you. He's giving his approval and give peace. And when you ask God to bless others, we're asking them to do all five things when we read this particular blessing. Peace brings joy. That was mentioned in our, at the beginning of our prayers. Joy for those who promote peace. God gives us peace in troubled times. Now, bearing in mind that Paul wrote 
this from prison to the church of Philippi, I would have thought that would have been reasonably reasonable definition of troubled times, wouldn't you? If you were sitting in prison writing. But Philippians reminds us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My friends, have you experienced the peace which passes all understanding? Have you grasped it? Have you been in a situation where you've been tossed to and fro over a work situation, over a family situation where anxiety is high and you come to God and you ask for peace? You may have been waking up like I I have done at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and you can't rest. And then we come to a point where we have to say, Lord, it's over to you. And then, and then, we begin to experience that peace which passes all understanding. You can't explain it to somebody. You can't get the real meaning across. But you know in your heart of heart, God is talking to you by his spirit to the spirit which is within you. And he brings you that peace. The end result of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is deep and lasting peace, unlike worldly peace, often referred to as an absence of conflict. This peace is confident assurance in any circumstance. With Christ's peace, we have no need to fear the present or the future. A friend of mine who's in ministry, been in ministry a long time, every morning he would open the curtains and he'd draw them back and he would look out and with a, in an audible voice in the house he would say, is it today, Lord? Is it today? What was he referring to? He was referring to say, is it today, Lord, that you're coming back? had a sense of peace but he also looked forward but we need to note sin fear uncertainty doubt and numerous other forces are at war within us that is when we need to draw near to God in prayer and refresh ourselves from God's word the peace of God moves in our hearts and lives to restrain those hostile forces and offer comfort in place of conflict Jesus says he will give us that peace if we're willing to accept it from him. One of the most important remembrances that Jesus asked us to do was to remember him and what he said at the Last Supper. He said, at the Last Supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. An awesome responsibility that we should undertake with reverence. Often we share the peace to one another But what does that mean? Simply, we are on behalf of the Prince of Peace 
praying that the Spirit of God in you will know God's peace, his blessing. But how often do we forget the main thing? We greet some asking the peace of God upon them and sometimes take the opportunity for a catch-up conversation which perhaps could be more appropriate over coffee. Losing all sense of reverence and fear of God in coming to communion, let alone utterly uttering a prayer to a fellow believer. Can we share with a non-Christian? Of course we can. But remember we are praying that their heart and mind will hold a place for God's peace. So let us share the peace in a prayerful way. We move on to patience. Patience is a virtue. How many people have heard that? Yeah, patience is a virtue. Well, this may resonate with you, uh, with, with us as being truthful. But it isn't from the Bible. Rather, it is from a poem written by William Langland between 1360 and 1387. And in a, it's similar to in a Latin expression. And because I'm not a scholar of Latin, forgive me, I haven't, I'm not going to try. But it meant patience is the greatest virtue. So what is patience? It's the capacity of calm, uncomplaining endurance or perseverance, tolerant understanding, the capacity to put up with delay and wait for the right moment. (laughs) Uh, What's your prayer? Is it like mine? All too often? Oh, Lord, give me patience and give it me now and not later. There's some people, obviously, who don't pray that prayer. Do you know what? I don't believe you. How often do we forget to even address an issue of prayer in prayer? But rather rapid fire, a series of expressions to people we cannot see, or sound the horn, or become frustrated that you cannot make headway through a complicated computer program. This doesn't only apply personally. It applies church-wide as well. On Tuesday, we're having a prayer meeting. Can you imagine this room filled with the purpose of purposeful prayer, with all of us attending, coming together as God's church? You know, I guess I don't have to dig up many examples of our usual impatience. Appointments not being kept. Traffic where we're in a hurry and sometimes we get cut up and we sit too long on the horn. Something we've ordered gets lost in a system somewhere. DIY with simple instructions. (laughs) We perhaps ignore those and we don't have the right tools. And so the list goes on. Testing our patience when we don't want to be tested. Because we're in control. But we're not in control. Patience is something you lose, something you possess in limited quantity. It may, only, it may be one of the biblical traits humans struggle with most, as it's not the ability to wait, but how we act in the waiting. Often we say and do nothing, holding it in until you can suppress no longer, and then you let go. Perhaps you don't. Let's look at the spiritual patience revealed in Scripture. 
The Hebrew is sal, savlan, savlanat, which means to bear or to suffer. The virtue is to bear or suffer something unpleasant or painful without increasing suffering. And we act lovingly towards someone, even if it hurts, and assume that we're doing the best they can. The Bible uses different words, forbearance, endurance, long-suffering. But we can see that patience originates from God. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says, May the God who gives endurance, patience, encouragement, give you a spirit of unity amongst yourselves as you follow Jesus. You know, in Hebrews, and I have to say I feel God has laid this on my heart, my heart to share this with you. And this was in the middle of the night. It wasn't planned. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. My friends, has COVID blown us off course? Has COVID blown us off course? Two reasons. One is that we need to meet together, but we need to encourage one another as well. Suffering produces endurance. In Romans we read, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in his sufferings. We know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. We should be patient with one another, writes Paul to the Ephesians. Be completely humble and bearing with one another in love. However, through all this, we find that patience is a command, not a suggestion. Never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving God. Be joyful in hope, patient in inflection, and faithful in prayer. It requires us to carry on serving, empowered by the Holy Spirit, whose resource is infinite, and gives the gift to cope. We've already, Liz opened our service with that from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. My friends, God is not a thousand miles away. He can be here. He can be right with you in the circumstances that you find. Amy Carmichael, an Irish missionary, said, In acceptance lies peace. So what do we conclude? How do biblical peace and patience work together? If we allow God's peace to reign in our hearts and minds, we will find the ability to have self-restraint and patience. We won't feel the need to take matters into our own hands or worry about the what-ifs of life. We will learn to wait patiently, as the psalmist has reminded us, on God and let him guide us. The scripture makes promises. Isaiah, God gave this word through Isaiah. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, 
Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord is the eternal rock. And in Romans, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Earlier, we paused to reflect whether our hearts were filled with the Spirit of God, or maybe as we've reflected on these subjects of peace and patience, you find it difficult. That expression which I used of conflict in our hearts. If you today would like to ask for God's forgiveness and invite the Holy Spirit to come afresh into your life and refill you. I'm going to invite you to do something. And that is I'm going to invite you to come and stand here at the front so that we may pray with you. Praying for two points. Firstly, that you might find peace and patience. And that God will, by his Holy Spirit, draw alongside you and on confession of faith that you would know the infilling of God's Spirit within. If you'd like to do that, I invite you to do that now while Liz is just playing for us. So we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Work in our hearts and in our lives. Just come and stand here and we will come and pray with you. Just come alongside you bearing in mind that God has has come to bring salvation to each one of us